course of discussing movies, the host will spoil plots. You've been warned. Listen to their screams. Greetings, ghouls and creeps, and welcome to Listen to Their Screams, a horror podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dave. I'm joined, as always, by the other host, Ike. Ike, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I cannot complain. You know, I, I sometimes have my, my complaints, but I'm I'm doing pretty good today. Doing pretty good. Yeah, me too. It's been extraordinarily hot. and uh, That's for sure. That's, <laughs> that's that's something. Even even though I don't go out very often, it's still, still hot. I still feel it. But uh, that's okay, because right now it's not too bad, and it's kind of rainy, so it's we're good right now, so I'm all all's well, and we're here getting ready to talk horror today. We are going to do an insidious franchise review. We're going to discuss all four of the movies and give our ranking of our favorites from four to one. Uh, that is setting up next week, as we will be reviewing the new insidious The Red Door that comes out on July 7th. Um, but before we get into all that, we have lots of other things to discuss. Uh, first of all, special thanks to our wives, Monica and Kayla, for everything they do and all the help they provide uh, to us. Uh, so, Ike, before we get to our weekly segment, uh, did you watch anything this week? I sure did. I sure did. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, I Well, first of all, I was actually going to go to the movies this last weekend, um, but I remembered that it was like 4th of July weekend, so I decided not to because it was going to be super crazy. Um, I wasn't going to go see a horror movie. I was going to go see the Spider-Man movie, but I just want to throw that out there that I want to see that movie very badly, so I'm, I'm manifesting it. Maybe it'll happen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, outside of that, um, you know, with the holiday and everything else, I did have some you know, some downtime. So I got to watch a couple of movies. I've been uh, kind of on the back burner, if you will. Um, first and foremost, I watched a movie called Speak No Evil on Shudder. Um, it is a foreign film. It is mostly in English. It's actually everybody in the film speaks English. Uh, but there are some uh, subtitled sections where they're, I think, speaking Dutch. Um, but uh, it's really great. Honestly, it's probably one of the better horror movies I've seen on Shudder. Um, it was extraordinarily good. Um, it's a bit of a slow burn, but you get about halfway into the movie. I mean, you're enthralled the entire time, but about halfway is when things start getting weird. Um, I watched a movie on Prime called Butterfly Kisses. Um, it's a sort of a, uh, found footage film, but it's basically a found footage film about a guy who is um, putting together footage he found uh, of a school project that turned bad. So it's kind of like a weird, like, uh, what's the word? Inception-esque uh, <laughs> found footage movie. It was pretty good. Um, and then, of course, I actually watched uh, The Last Shift, um, which recently got a remake um, called, I cannot remember now, Malum. It's called Malum. Uh, but oh, yeah. Uh, Last Shift is the original. Pretty good movie. Uh, my wife enjoyed it. She thought it was pretty cool. And then last but certainly not least, I actually started a show on Netflix called Devil in Ohio. Um, this is a series, uh, limited series, I think is what they call it on Netflix when it's got only one season. I think it pretty much ties itself up, I'm going to guess. Uh, but basically, it's about a girl who escaped from a cult 
and is uh, basically adopted into a family or fostered into a family and some weird shit starts happening. So it's good so far. I have not finished it, but that's all that I watched this week. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Well, let's see. What did I watch? I watched, uh, I watched Poltergeist one, two and three. Uh, somehow I, I got on that. I don't know how I got on that kick. I just did. Um, they're pretty good. The first one, I like the first one. They, they get progressively worse to me <laughs> as, as often happens in uh, franchises. Uh, you know, the first one's good. It's I, I get that it's not for everybody. You know, it's not uh, it's not a high action type thing, but it's it's pretty good. Uh, two's a little less. Three is a little less. But I think they're all pretty decent and uh, they're all fun. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, it's it's horrible to watch those and think of what happened to that actress, though, and how, you know, she she died before even completing the third. And right. uh, and, uh, cause she, you know, she was really good at them. And, I, you know, I think she had to, you know, had a, had a bright future. And then uh, the only other thing I watched was I watched uh, Run, Rabbit, Run, the new movie that's on Netflix that just came out uh, like a week or so ago. Um, and it was uh, really, really good. I was pleasantly surprised at first when it started uh, started going. I was like, eh, I don't know about this. This seems I'm not sure what this is. And uh, it's not that it was confusing. It just seemed kind of eh, blah. And then, uh, right. man, it started. They, they kind of threw something else in there. And I was like, ooh. and then they they wrapped it up pretty strong. I was I enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised. I just thought I'd, I'd heard a lot about it coming out and, and everything. And there's that creepy picture that's in all the promo stuff of the, the little girl wearing the hand, the homemade rabbit mask that she made. And I thought, man, that's kind of creepy. You know, kids are always creepy. So let's watch that. And uh, <laughs> she it did not disappoint. And the, the little girl was a uh, was very, very good in it. And uh, so very happy with that. Highly suggest everybody go out and watch Run Rabbit Run on Netflix. Um, it, uh, it's pretty good. So then that we've wrapped up what we've watched and uh, all the little housekeeping that we open the show with. Let's get to our weekly segment. Horror Hot Take. This week, we're back around the band and we are back to Horror Hot Take. Uh, this is where one of us, where it's typically Isaac, because he seems to have uh, a mindful <laughs> of these things ready to roll. So and I, I don't, you know, I, I don't give too much thought to him overall, uh, but uh where, where one of us gives a, a hot take, or what is potentially a hot take, hot take on a horror topic, movie, etc. So, Ike, do you have one primed up for us and ready to go? I do, I do. And All right, I, lay I, it on. Know, I, I think I say this every week, but I, I'm, you know, again, I'm not super sure if this is actually a hot take, but it's just something I feel very passionately about. Um, but to lay a little groundwork here, um, before I jump into the hot take. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people in this world, not just in horror movies, but a lot of people in this world, they, they rely very heavily on like uh, people, other people telling them like what they should or shouldn't like. Right. Um, there's entire industries uh, built around basically like somebody else telling you, the consumer, what you should or should not like. Even at a young age, I have always disliked those industries, whether it was for food reviews, whether it was for movie reviews, music reviews. It doesn't matter. I, I hate the concept of a review. I hate the concept of um, there being these like multi-million dollar industries that are entirely built around like reviewing something and then telling you, the consumer, whether or not you should or shouldn't watch it. Right. That um, was pretty funny I, there because you're like, I, I hate reviews. Like, oh, we're a, re a movie review podcast then you said multi-million dollars like eh, we're out 
<laughs> right. It, it, it's it's a little bit different when you have like podcasts because there are a lot of great podcasts that talk about these movies. And, and I like to think that um, as content creators, we, we like to keep things pretty neutral. We'll never tell you not to watch a movie. And that's the first thing I always tell people about the podcast is I'm never going to tell you not to watch a movie. Even the worst movies that I've seen, I'm not going to tell you not to watch it unless, of course, the movie's like disgusting or like, you know, you know, rancid or something like that. But even then, I'm going to tell you, make your own opinion. But I don't like and we have no skin in the game. We're not we're we're not getting paid anything. We're not getting any kickback. We're not getting we have no uh, large scale connection to any of this either. So. We, it makes no difference to us what you watch because it, it doesn't affect us day to day. Exactly. So I, I think that with that groundwork being said, my potentially horror movie hot take is that I, I truly believe that horror movies are ruined by the fans. Um, I, I think even the best horror movies are ruined by the fans because people – and it's both sides. It's not just the people who say movies are bad or movies are good. I think that horror movies are like this very eclectic genre where a lot of these movies, um, they, they have a very broad but also narrow audience, right? It, it, it checks off a lot of boxes. A lot of horror movies can check off a lot of boxes, but um, those boxes are very niche. And I think a lot of time when you watch these horror movies, there are very certainly people who are going to really enjoy movies, uh, but there's going to be an even larger, I would probably almost say majority, that are not going to like these movies. Um, and I think that the industry that is around like movie reviews has painted horror movies as sort of like a lesser genre. And so like, not only do you have infighting within like the horror movie community, right? Cause everybody has their opinions on everything, right? Everybody's got an opinion and opinions like an asshole and they mostly stink. So it's like you have this infighting within the industry, but also the industry is being pounded by, I, I would say most other like uh, entities within the entertainment realm, because generally speaking, horror movies are, and it's not as bad now as it used to be, but you know, horror movies are generally looked down upon as like lesser film. Um, so it's like you already have like somebody pummeling down on you because you're like, oh, yeah, well, horror movies aren't really that good. And then you also have all the fighting within it. So I guess my hot take is that the fans really are are, are what like kill horror movies. You know what I mean? The arguing, the infighting. And, and I think that people just, just generally just can't enjoy movies anymore. And I don't know if it's just because of like the mass production of movies, which could be part of it. But I think a lot of it has to do with people just not being able to like just shut their brain off and just enjoy a movie for a movie. They have to find the good and the bad. Right. Which, you know, we can do, of course. But I still enjoy pretty much every movie I watch. And, um, you know, me and Dave have a mutual friend. He goes by Salsa Shark online. Salsa Shark's very much of the opinion that all movies are either objectively good or objectively bad. And I, I see it in a much broader scope of all movies are good for the most part. There are just some things that I prefer or not prefer within those movies. So I guess that's my hot take is that basically just enjoy movies. You know what I mean? You're killing the movie industry by creating this infighting. And I think that it's just, it's just very detrimental to everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think this is unique to horror movies. I think it, it applies right. to pretty much any genre movie, because 
you you do not get more infighting and more potentially toxic fans than in say like the Star Wars universe and right. and, and things like that. And um, the thing is the uh, the thing there's there's I think there's lots of element to play it with this. I think number one there is there's so much out there in the market that everybody you, you can't consume everything. So everybody's time is so valuable. So there's this full court marketing press on all the time to get you to spend your limited time and limited dollars on X product or X whatever it is. So you have the the corporate side of of it who is doing everything they can to to drag you into theirs. And then then, yes, um, I, I you know, I don't know if it's a general rule because I have met some, you know, absolutely fantastic fans in every genre. And there are right. you know, lots of lots of people who. Who are great, but yes, there are. And I, I believe this is for pretty much any passion uh, thing out there. Right. Whether it's it's uh, collecting uh, whatever it is. And even when you break it down into the, the, the sub genres. There's always toxic fans. There's always gatekeeping fans. Yeah. There's always fans who who give the bad image um, for everybody else. And I'm not talking in no way am I talking, you know, like a physical appearance or anything like that. I'm talking purely ba- based on attitude and behavior. And, um, you know, I, I have. Me specifically. And talking horror specifically, because I have lots of genres that I like of, of, of different things. But, but speaking horror specific, you know, I, I have very definitive things that I like more than others within within right. horror. There there are styles I like a lot more. There are uh, time periods even that I, I tend to like more. There's there's actors or actresses that I like more. There's you know writers and producers. There's, there's all kinds of things that can trigger can trigger things that I like more. But even at that. I understand that there's that that what I like is not what everybody likes. And, and and if if we all like the same thing, it'd be a very it'd be a real bland world. So I don't I be. don't care. I don't care. I mean, I have things that I that I passionately hate in this world. Right. Artistic wise. But I have absolutely I have not a care in the world if somebody else loves that as much as I hate it, because I, I don't I don't care. And um and I don't care if somebody hates something that I love as much, you know, equally as, as, as much as my love is I, because I, it's it, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't it doesn't impact my my like for it. And I can go watch a movie and, and come out of it thinking eh, that wasn't my that wasn't my great, you know, my, my best use of my time. That wasn't the greatest movie I've ever seen. But, you know, oh, well, whatever. I I, I, I very easily can just chalk it up as a, OK, well, it's done, though. You know, it, it is what it is. Right. Who cares? And um, but I especially especially with theater going, there's more to it than just the movie for me. I, I like the experience, right? The the going to the theater and sitting in there in the darkened room, and it triggers a lot of memories and nostalgia for me too. So there's lots more than just the movie involved in that. That even even if it's a movie I didn't care for, there was still the act and the experience of going and seeing it that was fun. And um. I can typically find something within pretty much any movie that I watch that I liked, whether it be like we, we've, we've said before. And, and I know recently we, um, we, we talked about uh, cannibal cabin as being one of those right. movies that, that we were pretty harsh on. 
and that I, I I really couldn't find a redeeming quality. That's very rare for me. That even a movie I don't like, I can't look at it and say, man, I didn't like that movie. But this person was pretty good in it, or that one line was pretty clever, or that one effect or one kill was pretty cool, or hey, I like the soundtrack or that one song. There's usually at least some little thing that I like, and and I'm. I'm I'm quite content and comfortable that I can hang my hat on that and say good enough for me, whatever. Yeah. Because it's not a life or death thing, right? It's my life will go on just the same, whether I love or hate a movie, either one. So why why do I need to spend time, <laughs> you know, arguing and bashing it? Now I can debate people on on whether a movie, in my eyes, is good or bad. But in the end, there's too many people that confuse opinion for fact. And while we right. debate, a, if we debate a movie, we're just debating opinions. It, there's neither one, you know, neither person's right or wrong. It's just two opinions. And you're probably not going to convince the other person, but sometimes it's fun just to banter, right? And 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 that's what it is. And as long as nobody takes it personally, um, you know, all's good. But you know, the, but the online world has made it. And and don't trust me, I love the online world, and I and I I always have. I've always been, you know, kind of, you know. I've appreciated technology and the advancements, but it, it makes it easy for people to hide and throw out opinions or to troll and, or stir a pot and, and, and think it's funny. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and again, I don't think it's, I don't think this is not to be a dead horse. I know we're going a little long on this here, but <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's distinct to, to horror. I think it's just a, uh, no. it's, it's, you know, pretty much anything that people are passionate about. It's there. It does not matter. And, you know, maybe my fans, you know, my skin's a little thicker, too, because, you know, I, I grew up as a you know, professional wrestling fan during a time period when people looked down upon that. So, you know, you kind of you kind of hit it to agree. I, I grew up during a time when I was a comic book fan and people looked down upon that. So you hit it, you know, for people. So. Just to be in a day and age when I can I can go to a comic book movie and hey, it's it's making lots of money and it's pretty cool. And, that's hey, I'm good with that because once upon a time, you know, you didn't go around telling people you liked comic books. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, the hip thing to do. So, so, uh, so yeah, yeah. I think in a nutshell, I mean, toxic fans suck, and people should just, uh, yeah. you know, you can have opinions, but they are your opinions, and your opinion's not any more valuable than someone else's opinion. And uh, the dollar you spend is equal to the dollar that somebody else spends. So, um. You know, none of us are more important or better in this whole this whole scheme. So like what you like and quit being a dick about it. So there you go. There you go. I was saying it's hard to articulate that kind of a thought, but basically it went like exactly what you said. It boils down to the dollar I spent the same as your dollar. Don't be a dick about it. (laughs) Yep. 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 So, you know, and if. And if, you know, there's a movie that you're or whatever it is that you're extraordinarily passionate about, then. Sure. Spend a whole lot of money and support that. More power to you. I'm cool with that because I, you know, I want everybody that has a creative passion out there. I want them all to succeed. I don't care if I like them or not. You know, I, 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 I like the the thought of people pursuing their creative passions and their creative outlets and, and being successful at it. And whether I like it or not, that's, that's a cool thing to have out there. So, yeah. Well, and that's, and that's part of, you know, kind of part of our conversation. You mentioned cannibal cab, you know, while we may have not liked the movie and while we may have certainly thrown some things out there that were not so great, you know, 
I would still say I would encourage those filmmakers to make another movie. You know what I mean? I would encourage yeah. the people within that film that acted in it to act in other movies because this could just be a launching pad. You know what I mean? And that's the thing, too, is that a lot of people don't realize is that you, you have these movies that maybe you hate. Maybe this is this person's first ever like directorial debut or acting debut. It could be a lot of things. Obviously, you know, there are some things that, you know, like I said, we didn't care about the movie, but we would never sit here and like, because there are so many people online who'd be like, oh, you should stop making movies. This is the worst shit I've ever seen in my life, blah, blah. I'd never tell somebody that. I'd be like, okay, this wasn't my favorite, but I'll, I want to see what you have next. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird thing because, you know, I'll be I'll be absolutely frank. I absolutely I, I hated Cannibal Cabin. I did not like it at all, but I don't care. Right. Because it, the fact that I hate it, that didn't, that doesn't matter to anybody. Right. Yeah. And if that movie made one hundred million dollars and suddenly was the biggest thing in the world. OK, that's cool. I still don't like it. But hey, <laughs> good for them. I'm glad they succeeded. But the bottom line is, if they make a Cannibal Cabin 2, unless I'm in a position where we have to review it or something, I'd. Probably not going to seek it out and watch it because I didn't like the first one. But I, you know what? If someone likes that movie and they make a Cannibal Cabin 2, well, good for those people, right? They get another one. That, that's cool. It doesn't – again, it doesn't change my trajectory, Eddie. So it, it's like – it's – I don't know. It's To me, it's so unimportant that, you know, right. we could yeah, – people can like what they like. They can hate what they hate. It doesn't – it doesn't matter. And I – you know, I, I – it's weird to me the people that don't want something to succeed because it really has – I don't know. I feel like it has little impact on them. You know, I understand exactly. that if there's something you you really, really like wanting it to succeed so that you can get more of it. I, I get that. But it's like I, I why do why do people care if something else succeeds? Is, is that taking away from something? That, I mean do they think there's a, a, a set amount of dollars out there that – Oh, because this movie did so well. Sorry, we can't. No, that's not the way it works. I mean, <laughs> there's there's more platforms and services and production companies than ever before out there. And, you know, there's a lot of projects getting made. So I don't know. It's it's yeah. odd to me. Some people it just is. have destruct, destructive personalities, I think. And it's, it's odd. So. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That I guess that spun into a longer discussion than what we thought. So. But, uh, yeah, so let's take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll have some uh, upcoming birthdays, movie anniversaries, and releases. Make sure you subscribe to listen to their screams on your favorite podcast platform. Also, make sure you look us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, TikTok, and Slasher. All you have to do is look up Listen to Screams, that is Listen, the number two in Screams, and you can find us there. Also, make sure you go and buy yourself a Listen to Their Screams t-shirt. You can find all of our shirts at tinyurl.com screams shirts. And we are back with the news. Spread the news. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed, first of all, our little rant there. Um, that definitely went longer than we thought it would. But, hey, you get talking about something, you, you, you feel very passionate about it, and it just rolls. So yep. can't can't stop the creative juices. So let's talk about some birthdays. We have some, again, I don't know what it is with, like, this midsummer time, but, like, last month was good. May was even good. So we, we have some banger birthdays this week so july 6 1927 we have janet lay psycho of course she's also jamie lee curtis's mom but uh janet lay is obviously iconic you know 
she was in Psycho. She was in uh, Halloween H2O. I mean, just incredible actress, legendary. I mean, what more can you say? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I love Psycho, so there, that's alone is enough. But, uh, you know, she she deserves a plaque on a wall somewhere for giving us Jimmy Lee Curtis. So, <laughs> amen to that. And then we also have a, another wonderful, 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 wonderful actress, uh, Shelley Duvall from The Shining, July seventh, nineteen forty nine. If if I remember correctly, did did we recently lose Shelley Duvall? Did you recently pass, or did I? Am I thinking of somebody else? No, I don't think so. I could be wrong. Um, I'll look into that, but uh, as you go on, but I no, I think she's still alive. She just doesn't really do much. Huh? Has, you know, she's stepped out of the uh, long light, limelight for quite a while. But uh, hey, no, no, no shame in that. I'll say the, the the limelight and the you know everything else, especially after Psycho or Shining. I feel like Shining probably had quite a bit of uh, heat on it, especially, you know, just it being so popular. But um, obviously, you know, Shelley Duvall had her birthday um, to in a couple days. So the day after this is uh, released on the 7th. So um, I, I just looked her up on IMDb and, and she is still alive. So that's my bad. There you go. <laughs> Didn't mean to give him any heart attack. So, <laughs> uh, And then we also have on July 8th, which is Saturday, 1958 kevin bacon from friday 13th and of course other movies such as footloose and uh, uh guardians of the galaxy the holiday special um where he is kidnapped by the guardians of the galaxy <laughs> yeah and of course what he was in like hollow man and and you know, some of those kind of movies right. but he, he's done quite a few things and uh there's a you know i've heard uh rumblings here recently that uh Robert England has said, hey, if uh, someone else is going to take over and do Freddy for a few movies, that Kevin Bacon would be wonderful at it. And Kevin Bacon's like, hey, I'd listen to it. Let's, you know, and so I thought, man, what a what a cool concept that would be to see Kevin Bacon doing Freddy Krueger. I think that'd be good. I, I think Kevin Bacon's a pretty uh, I mean, he's a pretty versatile actor. I feel like he could probably step into that role and do it. Um, so hey, if somebody wants to set that up, I'm all for it. <laughs> all right. And then on July 10th, 1926, we have Fred Gwynn from, uh, well, pardon me, from the Munsters. He's Herman Munster. Uh, and then, of course, Pet Cemetery. Um, was he the old man in Pet Cemetery, the one, the doctor? Mm-hmm. Yep, he was. Okay. Yep. All right, I'm picking up what you're putting down, so I know who Fred Gwynn is. Uh, Fred Gwynn is obviously uh, amazing. He was great in Pet Cemetery. I don't think I've really seen much of the original Munsters, so... I can't really speak to that part, but uh, absolutely, Pet Cemetery. He was fantastic. I, I quite liked his uh, his performance in that. So, you know, yep. I'm sure he is uh, probably deceased, you know, given oh, yeah, the yeah, year he yeah. was born. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure you have probably good memories of him. I know you were a Monsters kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always liked him. And, you know, I mean, even, you know, even people that never, you know, haven't watched any of the Monsters, whatever, still know. Right. Still typically can picture Herman Munster and that's that's him. So, you know, so it's it's Absolutely. I mean, it's an, an iconic role to have played. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't, that's one of those roles that, you know, kind of you, you never you never live down. So I, I definitely could see that. All right. So we have our birthdays. Now it's time for a couple of anniversaries. Nothing too crazy this week. Just a couple of I I, I for sure like both of these movies, but I could definitely see somebody not liking either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, July eighth, nineteen eighty eight. We have Phantasm two. Um, <laughs> I think I think we talked about it. I I really quite like Phantasm, and Phantasm two is pretty good. Three and beyond are a little, eh. but uh, 
Phantasm 2 was one of those movies that when I watched it, I was definitely like, what exactly am I watching? Um, but it, it's it's all right. You know, I, I'm not going to complain too much about it. Um, what, do you, what do you think about Phantasm 2, Dave? It's okay. It's not one of my right. favorite movies in the world, but uh, but it's okay. I, you know, the Phantasm alone, the uh, the franchise is you know is pretty iconic and some you know some iconic visuals there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like the first one. The second one's okay, but it you know it's still not quite on the same level. I don't think. No, not at all. I would agree with that. And then July twelfth, two thousand two, we have Halloween Resurrection, which is one of my uh, guilty pleasure favorite Halloween movies. Um, I mean, literally Halloween Resurrection. I mean, that, I mean, I was how I don't know how old I was seven or eight when that movie came out. Um, but Halloween Resurrection has some of the best lines in, it. and I mean, it has fucking Buster Rhymes in it. Come on, man. Uh, I think my yeah. favorite line in that movie is uh, after Michael Myers had gotten you know burnt in the building. Um, you know, he was stretchered out. They thought he was dead. And Buster Rhyme looks at him and he says, you're looking a little crispy there, Mikey. And yeah. I mean, oh, holy shit. That is just an iconic line in a horror movie. And I, I fucking love it. One of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's OK. But it's a little much on the Buster Rhymes being, you know, damn so strong in it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's all right. I mean, the concept of it is is it, fairly clever, you know, doing the reality show in the in the home and, and all that. So, you know, it's, it's a unique, a unique approach at least. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd like to see something that somebody else, like kind of in that same genre. I feel like that's kind of an underutilized trope is like, you know, it being like a, a webcam show or something like that. I feel like that'd be cool. I feel like you could do more with that. Maybe not Halloween specifically, but like a paranormal movie. I feel like you could do something with that. Yeah. But, I mean, ghost, uh, honey, ghost honey shows are pretty big right now. So you could, you know, do something like, you know, someone trying to do a uh, a paranormal investigation somewhere and getting caught up in some trouble. Oh, yeah. Hey, maybe we need to write a movie. All right. <laughs> I oh, mean, I Lord. guess I guess that, that's dead space, but pretty much, but sort of in a way. Well, he's, he's not really paranormal. He was more of a uh, what do you call it? A whatever you want to call it, like a prank guy or like not a, a prank. Yeah, like a, a blogger type thing. Yeah, a, a challenge guy that took, you know, stupid human trick type deals and ran with them. You know, thinking of it, I think they already did something like that because there's, there's a movie called Ghost Encounters, um, which is about uh, like a ghost hunting crew who goes yeah. to like an asylum, but it turns out to be real. So I, I guess that may have already been a, a used idea. So I, that just popped in my brain. So I, sorry if anybody out there was you know getting ready to write that script. Just keep that in mind. They have done this before. <laughs> what oh, have Lord. they done, though? exactly there's no such thing as an original idea uh <laughs> oh good lord so <laughs> we do have a couple of upcoming releases um i'm actually interested in both of these uh we'll talk about this first one it's uh we might hurt each other it's uh d- debuting on the 11th um it is a screen box uh, debut and it is uh, lithuania's first slasher pays tribute to the golden age of the subgenre while infusing an influence from Eastern European folklore. Um, first and foremost, I've never seen a Lithuanian film, I don't think. Um, so that, that in the end of itself is pretty cool. Um, if this is indeed its first slasher ever, I, I think that's pretty iconic, um, pretty monumental to some. So 
I will definitely be watching this. I'm going to assume that it's going to be a foreign language film, so subtitles. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'll be checking this out. What about you, Dave? Uh, yeah, you have me at slasher. You know, if it's, if it's <laughs> a slasher, I'll, I'll try it. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care about anything. Everything else is just window treatment. If it's, if it's a slasher, I'll watch it. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Slasher, you got me. But uh, cool. And of course, it's Screenbox. I mean, how how can you say no to a Screenbox movie? But uh, awesome. And then a little more on the mainstream side, uh, we have Insidious, The Red Door, debuting July the 7th, um, the Friday after this is released. It is going to be in theaters. We are actually reviewing this next episode since this is our sort of our Insidious franchise review. And then next week, we'll, of course, watch the newest Insidious movie and maybe give it give it its own uh, place in the ranking. I hope it's good. But it uh, it is described as the Lamberts must go deeper into the further than ever before to put their demons to rest once and for all. Um, you know, Dave and I really haven't talked about it, so I don't know how he feels about the rest of the Insidious movies. Um, or, you know, if he's seen them before, this is his first viewing, I'm not sure, but I love the Insidious movies. My wife loves the Insidious movies, so I'm super excited for the Red Door. Um, are you, are you excited for it, Dave? Yeah, I am. I, I, yeah, I've seen the Insidious movies before and I, uh, you know, I rewatched them then obviously for today. Um, and, uh, yeah, I enjoy all four, but I very much, I, I more enjoy the, the Lambert, the two, the Lambert storyline of the Lambert family. Yeah. Uh, much uh, it, it's just to me it's 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 much more interesting much stronger I don't know if it's because it was the first and it just stuck with it more I like Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne so I don't know if it's that you know it, it, lots of things um I probably play into it so I'm very much excited that uh you know we're going back to a third installment of that that part of the story and uh, from the trailer alone man that part where he's in the uh, uh MRI machine or whatever the power yes. goes, oh Lord have mercy. That that uh, I can't do MRI, MRIs like that anyway. I have to I have to do an open MRI or and I have to be sedated and all this other stuff. I can't do it anyway. And that right there sealed the deal that, yeah, you're never going to get me to try again. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever had an MRI. Uh, not that I want to have an MRI, nor am I looking forward to it. Not only is it kind of spooky, it's also fucking expensive as shit. Like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. I can't, but, I cannot uh, <laughs> do, I can't do the closed places, the closed space. I, I just can't, I can't do that. Have Have you ever seen The Descent? Speaking of closed places, have you ever seen the movie The, the Descent? Yes. Yeah, I can't do that either. Oh my God. I, I normally don't get like physically bothered by movies, but, and this is obviously way off topic, but that's just how we do things. The Descent, um, there's a scene where they're, you know, and they're, they're, they're cave crawling, basically trying to get through this cave. Um, and there's a part where this woman gets stuck and like, mm-hmm. I remember watching that and like my chest started getting real tight and I was like, holy shit, what is going on? Like I'm starting to have a hard time breathing, <laughs> watching them try yep. to squeeze this cave. I'm like, oh my God. So uh, Any, I, anything <laughs> that has someone crawling through like a tight cavern, a tight tunnel, uh, like air conditioning duct, uh, you know, or just any kind of tight spot, I my blood pressure goes through. I can't, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of claustrophobia. I can't help it. Uh, it just drives me nuts. I don't like the tight spot. Buried alive is the worst. Anything where it's uh, there's a buried that to me I, that will haunt me for days. If just a moment of seeing someone you know that's, that's been buried alive, oh, I, I can't, I can't. I mean, I would literally if I were ever buried alive and I just I knew that was it and I, I no way out, 
I would have to just bash my brains in against the, that roof just to be, make it done because I would go berserk. Good lord, man! We need to make a movie. You do need to make a ride a horror movie. I feel like we can oh. make like a legitimate like terrifying like horror short about that, where like somebody like descends into madness and just like bangs their head against. It. I feel like that'd be like a really traumatizing horror movie to me. <laughs> Good like lord. in the uh, but yeah. <laughs> Some of the old, uh, the old grave sites where they put the, uh, the, the, bale. the bells. Yeah. With the, yeah. Oh, well, I can't remember what movie that was where they, uh, oh, where I got what was, I don't I have no idea, but we're like someone was, was the there. Nun? Mm, yeah, maybe it was. And the bells started ringing. It's like, Ooh, that, that's chilling. <laughs> oh Lord. So, so now that we've, you know, expressed our, you know, very, very scared of like, tight places like i'm not super claustrophobic but like you you get me in a tight spot or like something like a buried alive or you know crawling through caves and shit yeah that that gets me gets my heart heart rate going but um <laughs> in any case before me and dave both like have like a, a mutual stroke because you know we're talking <laughs> about being in tight spaces here uh if you haven't already Follow us on social media. I like to always mention it right here because all of these news, all these birthdays, all these anniversaries, we always post about them. We like to talk about them, start a discussion, let us know if you like them, all that good jazz. But uh, when we come back, we are going to do a full review of the franchise of the Insidious movies, and we're also going to give you our official ranking here at the podcast here. So stick around. Listen to Their Screams is now a Fangoria collaborator. Get 20% off your order at shop.fangoria.com by using the promo code LISTEN2SCREAMS at checkout. That is LISTEN, the number two, and SCREAMS. Or you can click the link in the show notes. All right, and we're back here on Listen to Their Screams, and it is time to discuss the Insidious movies. This is our franchise review and ranking. We're going to uh, discuss each of the four movies and count them down from four to one. Uh, and our consensus favorites, and uh, this is again this the uh, there's not as many movies in this franchise as as what have been in the others that we have done, but for the first time of these four movies we had identical rankings. There was no discussion, no give and take. It was spot on, <laughs> um, and I think there will probably be lots of people that would probably uh, agree with these these rankings. Um, and again, like I said earlier though, I I like all four of them. I enjoy all four of yeah. them. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, it's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry with me on, on my, what I like, uh, the most of the four, et cetera. So, uh, as we dive into it, uh, the, let's, uh, talk about it, instead of talking about, uh, the actors and actresses in each movie, we'll just, let's just talk about the key components of these movies. There's Patrick Wilson who plays Josh Lambert, Rose Byrne, who plays, uh, Renee Lambert, Ty Simpkins, uh, play, Skim Simpkins, excuse me, plays Dalton Lambert, uh, Lynn Shea plays Elise Rainier. Uh, Lee Wano plays Specs, and Angus, Angus Sampson plays Tucker. Now those five there are, uh, or six, I, I believe. That's six, excuse me. Those six are, they're not, well, Elise, Specs, and Tucker, I believe, are in all four movies. Um, yeah. The Lamberts are not, they are in two of the four, but those are your primary components. Now there's lots of other people, lots of really good people in these, in, uh, otherwise in these movies, but we're not going to go through everybody that's in each movie, but those are, those are your primary uh, roles and components and actors uh, for the series. So let's count them down here. Ike, Uh, we will alternate. I will start four and then you take the next one off and we will go through from four to one and tell our favorites. So are you ready to roll with this? Ready to rock and roll. 
All right. So coming in for us in our ranking of the Insidious movies at number four is Insidious Chapter 3. This was a prequel set before the haunting of the Lambert family uh, that is in the first two movies uh, that reveals how gifted psychic uh, Elise Rainier reluctantly agrees to use her ability to contact the dead in order to help a teenage girl who has been targeted by a dangerous supernatural entity. It was released on June 5th, 2015. It was written and directed by Lee uh, Wannell, who played Specs in these movies. It had a budget of $11 million. It grossed $113 million, which was good for the 55th highest grossing movie of 2015. Uh, now, I... When you watch this, when you watch the series, if you've never watched it before, um, you know, you, when you watch the first two and if you're pretty invested, you get to the third, you're kind of like, what the hell? You know, it's because <laughs> it's it's different, right? You you have the same psychic, uh, but lots of franchises have done this where they go back, you know, before and uh, do it, that prequel thing that kind of helps lead you up to it. And uh, they, they've really centered on on Elise, the, the psychic, uh, pretty much for the whole series. She's kind of the centerpiece that the, the the backbone that flows through it all. Right. And um, so I, I think, again, to, for me, Chapter Three, it, it's a pretty good movie. It's it's well done. Um, it's it's not that it's a bad movie, but I think, at least in my opinion, coming out of one and two, where you're invested in the the Lambert uh, story, and you get to this, it's kind of like a what the hell? You just you feel. I was very invested in the characters, and I think that's kind of – it gave it um, – I don't know. I, I believe it gave it – put it at a disadvantage for me uh, coming into the chapter three of, well, you know, I, I'm just not as invested in this as I, I probably would have been had this chronologically maybe it come out first or been something yeah. else you know, separate on, in its entirety because I do like the movie. I did enjoy the movie, but as far as these four go – it's just I, I didn't feel as invested uh, as I did, you know, with any of the other other four. Uh, even like we said, it's kind of broken to a two and two thing as far as stories go. And um, so, uh, what what do you take away from chapter three in your overview? Yeah, absolutely. So in Cities chapter three, like you mentioned, this is essentially like if you were to put this in chronological order, in Cities chapter three is realistically the first chapter. Um, this is Elise before she meets um, Specs and Tucker. Um, and throughout this film, she meets Specs and Tucker and they kind of become a team. So that's the first thing is that this is the first film that like kind of introduces those characters. Right. Like as like their introduction origin, if you will, because of the rest of the movies, um, Specs and Tucker are just there. So Elise sort of has a bit of an origin story here. You know, talks about her dead husband and everything else. And and Cities Chapter 3 is by no means a bad movie. Um, In fact, I would say none of these movies are bad movies. This is just like the least good, if you will. Um, And Dave is 100% spot on, is that I don't think that when they made these movies originally with the original two Insidious movies, I don't really think that they anticipated or projected there to be more movies. Um, And I think that Obviously, there's no way that they could have, right? You know, um, I, I, I'm probably going to mispronounce his name, but Lee, is it Lee Wannell, Wannell, Lee Wannell, yeah. Lee Wannell, something like that. Yeah. Wannell. So Lee yeah. Wannell. So I, I don't think that he anticipated making more than the first two movies, but I think the first two movies got such critical success and acclaim 
that he kind of put himself into position. He's like, okay, I need to make some more movies. Let's see what we can do. So I think that these were definitely afterthought movies, this one and the fourth movie. Not to say that they're bad movies. They're just more expanding on sort of the story of Elise, um, whereas the other Insidious movies are very much focusing and honing in on the Lambert family. With that being said, Insidious Chapter 3 is a very, very good origin story. It has a very interesting approach to the sort of classic uh, possession type movie, right? Um, you know, they talk a lot about the, the further, right? And um, what not spirit walking. Um, uh, what is it? Astral projection, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So so it's not your typical like you just get possessed kind of movie. It's there's this thing called astral projection and demons aren't even necessarily demons. They're like human spirits, but they're just evil. So it's definitely sort of a a twist on sort of that traditional like demon possession type movie where it's not exactly the same. Right. It's not as biblical, if you will. Um, Honestly, this is like demon possession without the bible if i'm going to be honest because uh, at least to my knowledge they don't really use sort of any of those traditional tricks the, that the uh, priests no. use you know may the power of christ compel you it, it's literally nothing like that it, it, this is almost like the agnostic version <laughs> of like possession movies um which is sort of a weird realization i just had but nonetheless it's creative it's interesting and this definitely lays really good groundwork but it almost seemed unnecessary because the first two movies already did that yeah, so, but yeah, it, good movie it, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels uh, the way they approach things feels much more like like Stranger Things, right? Like there was that there's yeah. realms, and um, because and again, I don't know if it's in uh, the chapter three or in the last key where at least says something to, you know of well, when you go, when you're able, there's certain people that are in tune to this and can cross over, and yeah. when but when you do and you call out, all the dead can hear you, right? So you get lots of things, right? So it's like there's this this realm. Where, all, where the dead are and some of the dead are, are they're demons, right? Some of the dead, they're evil and, and they, they can latch on to people, right? And be connected to people and they can be there, but only certain people can see them or early certain, you know, devices can see them and uh, can, can communicate with them. And, but they can, they can do things, right? And they can, you know, make people evil and make people do things and, and, you know, possess them or whatever. But it's, 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 yeah, it's not quite as, like you said, it's not biblical, and it's not quite as a uh, uh, fire and brimstone as what it, it is often made out in other movies. It's a, uh, it's much more, it's, it's, it's a much stealthier thing, right? It's, it's where it's almost like this stuff's there and most people don't even notice it, but it could still be there. Right. I mean, literally there could be, there could be a spirit, you know, behind you at, at all times, virtually, and you could never know. Right. I mean, it's, it's there's lots of that, that, that in there. Um, but then, you know, then sometimes though things happen and, you know, and, and you see where you get things that are like haunting your typical haunting type things. Right. Things moving, things happening, stuff like that. Um, and again, it, it is it, it's you know, it, it's fairly clever. Um, I don't know if that it is overtly original, but it's it's a little different uh, than, you know, the, what the majority of these kind of movies are. But like you said, it is kind of. It's not really laying a lot of original groundwork from the first two movies, but it is kind of expanding on it a little bit, adding some depth there. Um, and while it is an enjoyable movie, like I said, it's of the four. To me, it's it's got the least to offer, um, but it's still it's still a good movie. Um, so let's move on. I guess go ahead and move on to our number three. So lay that on us. 
Yep, absolutely. Numero trace, we have Insidious the Last Key. Parapsychologist Dr. Elise Rainier faces her most fearsome and personal haunting yet, as she is drawn back to her ghostly childhood home where the terror began. Released January 5th, 2018, written by Lee Wanell, and directed by Adam Robitel. It had a budget of $10 million and grossing $167.9 million. 47th highest grossing movie of 2018. Now, while this is our third movie, The Last Key is a incredibly good movie. Uh, and in my opinion, this one lays more original groundwork than the third movie. Um, and dare I say, even perhaps the second movie. This movie really gives you the true origin of Elise. Takes you back to her literal childhood when she first started kind of experiencing the supernatural. And she's talking about different things that happened in her childhood. She has to go back to her childhood home because she's being called there. Um, there's a very interesting subplot where this guy is uh, kidnapping women. And there's even even interesting, more interesting subplot that her you know dad was kidnapping women and that they were both doing it at the bequest of the uh, resident uh, evil spirit demon thing. So this movie, in my opinion, is very good. Um, again, none of these are bad. It's just which one are which ones are less good than the others. Um, this one again is the fourth of the three movies. So in in release order, this is the most recent one that came out. Obviously, other than the one that's coming out in a couple days. Uh, but this one definitely, it's again a prequel to the first two movies. Um, and if you've never seen the first two movies, we'll talk about why these are both prequels here in just a second. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Last Key is very good. It has a lot of really cool scenes. One of the creepiest scenes in that whole movie um, that they show happen multiple times is the demon. Uh, its fingers are keys that they can use to shut off your vocal cords. And one of the creepiest things in the movie, in the series in general, is a scene where the demon uses the key, inserts it into their neck, and twists, and there's like a click, and then they can't scream anymore. Um, super cool, creative concept, uh, very creepy, and a little, little disgusting, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. uh, but nonetheless, a good movie. Uh, what did you think, Dave, about The Last Key? Yeah, I think... Um, as far as gaps between movies, I think between uh, from the last the, between the last key and chapter three is the biggest gap for me in in, in quality. I'm not quality in, in enjoyable, you know, the enjoyment. The last key really makes chapter three just really non non needed, right? You you could not have chapter three anymore and you'd be fine, right? It would um it would it would make perfect sense uh, as is. The only thing really you know chapter three adds origin wise is that you know is her you know meeting specs and tucker and, and all that but really this this is much more impactful as far as uh, elisa's origin uh you know right. with her dad and and her mom and and everything you know and, and her brother and, and and the brother who wouldn't have anything to do with her for years because he didn't you know he didn't believe and and thought she was just more or less thought she was just terrorizing him right and thought it was, it was horrible and then you know she meets these her nieces that she had never met and, and all this and um, this movie is is just it, it, it's so much more emotional and there's so much more to it. And it, it to me feels more like an insidious movie than Chapter three does. 
Um, again, chapter three is not a bad movie, but this movie to me is it's just it's it's stronger. It is you're, you feel more invested. Chapter three feels like you took Elise, which was a supporting character and tried to make her uh, the main character. And it didn't quite work. There wasn't quite enough there really where you felt she was strong enough. This one, it worked. Right. She felt much more like a character that could lead the movie and carry the movie. And um, yeah. And it was it, it you know it was just it was this was a fun movie, right? And then uh, you almost don't expect it, right? If you're watching through and like us, you you watch chapter three and like oh I was okay, but it's not as good as you know the Lambert thing, and so uh and you see all oh, this is more of it, you're like oh I don't know, but but this really it bridges the two much you know and that's I think the purpose of it, right? It it bridges the the Elise story and the Lambert story and get you there, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't this movie end with her receiving the call to go see Josh uh, Lambert? And it sure uh, does. She says something about you know tell Josh I'll be right there, uh, right at the end of the movie. I think I believe right. Yep. Uh, at the end, I believe it's the mom. Um, yeah, Josh's, Josh's mom. I I, yeah. can't, I can't remember what the actress's name is unfortunately, or her name in the show. Uh, but she does call these. And I believe Elise has like a vision, and I think it's like the face of the the red faced demon, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this movie does a you know does a very good job of, of bridging and getting us from the Elise story uh, to the to the Lambert thing, you know, the story and the and the the Dalton thing and everything. And um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed this movie much more than Chapter Three. Right. Um, so you know, I, I again, I feel like. I feel like the jump from from three to last key was was a big a, a pretty good jump. It was you know a, a, a big step up. While three left me wanting, longing for there to be more to it, this one really felt more satisfying uh, overall as a movie. And again, uh, to me, it felt more like an insidious movie than Chapter Three did. Yep, absolutely. I would have to agree, one hundred percent. All right, so that brings us then to our number two. And uh, people that are playing along at home probably have an idea where this is going. <laughs> uh, number two would be insidious, 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 insidious. Chapter two. Freudian <laughs> slip. <laughs> That's something else. And it says the Lamberts believe that they have defeated the spirits that have haunted their family, but they soon discover that evil is not beaten so easily. It was released September thirteenth, twenty thirteen, written by James Wan and Lee Wannell, directed by James Wan. A budget of five million, grossed one hundred and sixty one point nine million for the forty second highest grossing movie of twenty thirteen. Now, if you'll see all these all these movies are right, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, right? Which is hey, that's nothing to shake shake anything at. That's all right. Uh, but what what Marvel I, I marvel at is if you look at the percentage that that they grow. I mean, this movie was made on five million and then grossed 161 million. Yeah. All these movies are made for next to nothing, and we haven't even Insidious was the cheapest one yet to make. Um, I mean, the 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 profit margin is is just unreal with these and. Uh, pretty pretty spectacular and I, I would you know venture to guess that's the reason why hey they're like hey let's let's make some more you know and <laughs> come up with something and that's why we got chapter three in the last key and why we're getting the red door it's like these things are still making money lots of money so uh go at it uh, but chapter two like you said earlier kind of you know feels like it was maybe intended to in their eyes maybe wrap up the lambert haunting and, uh, and and bring it to a close, which, you know, we know is is not true now that we have the Red Door coming out this week. 
Now, there's right. there's more to that story. Uh, but uh, the best thing about this movie is, man, there's so many. I, I love when movies it cleverly and in a, 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 a great way can intertwine itself with what it's done before. And it, and there's these all these nods back to the first movie and noises they heard where they didn't really fully explain what it was. It just kind of leads you to believe that maybe it's just a demon or something making yeah. noises. And you find out, nope, it's not. It's right. It's 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 Josh Lambert or it's the kid or something uh, in this other world in the uh, the what is it the further? Um, yes, and it's the further. <laughs> yeah, like like there's that part in the first movie which I know we haven't got there yet, but there's this big thump and he's like, what the hell was that? And you know they hop up. It's pretty early in the movie, I believe. And then you come to find out here in chapter two that it was it's it's Josh pounding on the front door from the, you know from the further. So it's it's very cool. I love when they do that, and um and you feel that they they. They planted a seed there that w- that had future intentions, you know, to blossom, and and, and where and they get to do that, and it works out. And it's I don't know. It's there's something. It makes the story feel much richer and much more full uh, when you can see that there's there's things simultaneously happening that we didn't know of at first, but now it you know it is, and it it makes it feel more like a franchise and more like a, a larger story than just individual movies. And, uh, and and I like that when it's done right. So, and I think, uh, I mean, to me, I mean, chapter two is, you know, I'm from what I've always get, felt when I watch it, it picks right up after the first one, and, and pretty much, you know, pretty much rolls right into it, and it feels, it really feels like a, hey, this is act two, right? This is just we're we're continuing right on. It, it felt like they they had a pretty good idea where they were going with it, maybe from the get go, and not that they just you know. Oh, we need to make a sequel, so let's cobble something together. It felt like they had a, a big picture in mind, and uh, and it works. It, it it flows well, and it's one of those. I speak of it all the time. There, there's you know movies that I feel like you just you need to watch right together. You you don't watch one without the other, and I, I feel like Insidious and Insidious Chapter Two are just one two punches that you just really need to watch together to tell that big story, and uh, and it's very enjoyable. Yep, absolutely. Um, I would definitely have to agree. One and two, I, in my opinion, exist as sort of the same movie. Um, basically, it, you you would be lost, in my opinion. You would be losing out on the experience if you did not watch these movies either simultaneously or close to one another. You can't watch the first one without the second one. Um, very much in the same sense that you can't watch Halloween 1 without Halloween 2 in a lot of ways. Um, there's an obvious pickup and a drop-off point for those movies. Now, Insidious Chapter 2, um, we kind of mentioned it. You know, They believe they defeated the spirits. I'm not sure if Dave, you said this already. Um, but the reason why uh, I, I mentioned Elise in the previous conversation is that she dies um, prior to this movie. Now, this was very much a surprising twist, but they still managed to keep her in this film, just like they're still keeping her in the next film. Um, I don't know how deep her connections will be with the red door, uh, but at least in insidious chapter two, she does still have a pretty significant role to play. Um, and, and it's a very prominent uh, role that she does play. And like Dave said, this movie basically lays out a lot of groundwork and a lot of uh, very interesting little pieces of information that you didn't realize were happening at the same time that it was happening in the city as chapter one. Um, so I think one of the best things about these two movies is that there's so much that they did in the first one 
that it very much feels like the second movie was intentional. And when a second movie or a sequel is intentional, I feel like you have a lot more quality out of it. Um, whereas a lot of times with these movies, a lot of sequels are not intentional. A lot of sequels are not planned. Um, and, and I think that's probably one of the drawbacks of Insidious, The Last Key and Insidious Chapter 3 is that I, they, they felt like they weren't planned. So I, I do hope that Insidious, uh, The Red Door, feels planned because Insidious Chapter 2 does leave you on sort of a little bit of a cliffhanger. Um you know, Elise in her spirit form is still communing, com- communicating with Specs and uh, crap. What's the other guy? Tucker. So yeah. he, she's still kind of communicating with him, giving them leads. And they show up at someone's house. Elise goes in to try and talk to somebody who is in a wheelchair, who su- her, who I would assume is astral projecting, um, which is why they are basically like comatose. And she sees something that scares her. So yeah. I don't know if they're going to do anything with that um, in the next movie that we're about to watch or if that's just completely like out the window, go fuck yourself. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I think that that could be a very promising starting point for maybe another movie that they might make at some point. I, I know that there is another movie being made um, that is not the red door. I already don't remember what it's called. I'll try and find that here in a second. Um, but basically, in Cities Chapter 2, in my opinion, definitely, it, it, you could have very easily not picked up the Lambert storyline and just left it there. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, I think it's, it wouldn't hurt as long as they do, do it right. Um, so that's kind of my positive and a negative about this movie is that it's really good, closes it off with a nice, neat little bow. But they're kind of reopening that package a little bit, and I'm very curious to see how they're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, it, I, to be frank. Honest, honestly, if you take Insidious and Insidious Chapter 2, independent of each other, I honestly probably, if, if you try to not think of the other with it, I probably enjoy Chapter 2 a little more. But, but since we're discussing it as a franchise and the effect on each other, Insidious Chapter 2, to me, makes Insidious, the first one, a much better movie for what it does. It, it, it just adds to that movie for me. It, it really it 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 uh, it brings more to my appreciation and my love of that first one. Well, I like the first one. I like it a lot. Yeah. But the second one, to me, it, it adds a whole other layer to it too. That makes me say, "Wow, that it's really really good." Then, um, even even better than what I thought when you know you, when you watch it before watching chapter two. It just it just adds a whole new coat of paint to it. Uh, that it's pretty wild. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that means that we are down to our numero uno, uh, which, uh, like Dave likes to say, if you're keeping track at home, folks, uh, if you're playing along with us, yeah, yeah, I already know where we're going with this. So without further ado, our number one is Insidious Chapter One. It's not called Insidious Chapter One, but just for the case of numbering, it is the first chapter. Um Basically, Insidious is a family who looks to prevent evil spirits from trapping their comatose child in the realm called The Further. This movie was released April 1st, 2011, so it is uh, over 12 years old. It is written by uh, Lee Wanell and directed by, of course, the one and only James Wan. It had a budget of $1.5 million, and it grossed $100.1 million, the 61st highest grossing movie of 2011. Insidious Chapter 1 for all intents and purposes, is probably one of the 
I would say one of the best original films uh, in, in terms of a horror film of all time. I think that Insidious is a criminally underrated movie. I think a lot of people, they, they hear a lot of the hype around this movie and they immediately just think that I'm not going to watch it. But this is, I would say, a very criminally underrated movie. If you've never seen it, it is fantastic. I think that a lot of people don't appreciate the Insidious movie for what it really gave us. Um, and this is one of those exception movies where it's a PG-13 movie that is extraordinary. Um, they rely heavily on that audio cue and the music perspective to give you sort of that horror feeling. Um, it has ruined the song uh, by Tiny Tim, you know, the tip completely ruined that song anytime i hear that um it's used in spongebob there's an episode that uses in spongebob but that's from like 2003 or something like that and i remember not too long ago my wife was watching spongebob and i heard that song and like on and like it made the and you know it makes the hairs on your neck stand up and you're like oh shit you know um, but this movie, it is extraordinary. It, it is from start to finish. There is not a dull moment. This movie um, creates a world. It creates a universe. Um, it makes you very invested with these characters. It, it very much starts out where it needs to start out. And it is a very, I would say, steep incremental climb to the ultimate climax of the film. And it leaves you hanging on another cliffhanger. And of course, um, you know, obviously we, we get to watch these in, in quick succession now, but there was a t- over two year gap between these movies. So I can only imagine how people were feeling after the end of the first one, waiting for the second one. Um, so absolutely fantastic movie. I love it. I love re- I rewatch it every year. It's just on my list. Um, but Dave, what did you think about the first Insidious movie? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a great movie. Um, it's definitely one of the modern horror classics, right? It's, it's definitely, as far as modern horror goes, uh, one of the best out there. You know, I think, at least in my mind, I think people that even aren't real huge on the on the paranormal type movies and the you know and the possession type movies, I, I think if they they gave it a chance, they would like it because, like we said earlier, it doesn't approach it the same way, right? There's not the there's not the priests and crosses and holy you know, crosses and holy water type approach that most other movies take. It's it, it's it's different, and um, the cast is just it's just loaded, right? These these such talented people in this movie that I mean they're good in everything they do, and it's just I mean right from the get go you just you just feel like this is a family. I mean they it 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 clicks right from the start and you start understanding these characters even before the shit starts happening you you understand them and you you feel you 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 feel that you know them and that makes you invested and and when people can play and write relatable characters that you can sink your teeth into right from the get-go and you feel like they don't feel fake right they don't feel hokey they they feel like real people and, and you get them then when the when the 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 gist of the movie starts happening, then you, you really, you're, you're ready. You're, you're primed and set up for it. Right. Because when stuff starts happening to these people, you're like, Oh shit. Right. Whether you hate them or whether <laughs> you like them, you, you feel. And, uh, this movie does that, you know, even before you get there. And I mean, there's, you know, there's some, there's some jumps in it that, that, that always get me. Um, there's just, it's, there's creepiness. There's just that area. We, and when you start thinking about, 
man, hey, what do we know, right? Do we? Hell, is this? <laughs> these, you know, could there be spirits and demons and things lurking around and and just, you know, a, you know, right out of the out of eye shot at the corner of your eye, right? Your, your peripheral vision, you know, it, it it just it's so creepy to think. And this this movie, it, it, I know you're taking a very quote unquote preposterous concept right this of demons and possession or whatever else and you make it feel potentially real and and and, and potentially believable with how they approach it right there's not you, you know there's there's nothing there's not you're not utilizing any religious pretenses that a person may have right. coming into it or anything like that it's just it feels every day right it feels something relatable to all of us right we all get up and eat breakfast and go to work and and do these things that these people are doing and then suddenly when you know stuff starts happening and um you know it, it's you you have to you, you have to think how would you react right and you know when Rose Burns character you know she just wants she thinks it's the house and uh, she just thinks it's a haunting type thing and she wants to get away from it and they do and it still is occurring and things are still happening and it's not tied to a place. It's tied to the people. And it's it's just really wild. And it, uh, like I said, though, it, uh, it 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 pulls at your emotions and it makes you invested and makes you feel for these people and, and makes you, you know, even relatable to them on some level. And it's um, it's really well done, really beautifully shot. The the, the, you know, the sound is, is exceptional. The acting's exceptional. Um, it, it, it feels timeless. Right. It's it's doesn't have, you know, that period piece feel to it of any. Anyway, it doesn't right. you know, rely on anything tied to a, a particular time period or anything like that. And um, it, it, it is it's, it is a great movie. It is, a, to me, a modern horror classic uh, that, uh, you know, I think people should definitely be open to see seeing even if even if supernatural and possession type movies are not necessarily your thing. I think this this has an approach to it that makes it has a little more general appeal for people, I think. That, you know, yeah. that, that would like it because, uh, you know, any any pretenses people might have uh, for those type of movies. I don't I don't think these fall into those some of those same traps that, that would cause that someone to not like it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but again, uh, once you've seen them and seen any, you know, seen them all for you know a time or two. It's very hard for me to separate the one in chapter two anymore. They just feel again, like we said, earlier, they just they just feel like they go together. And like it's it's not even like it's two separate movies anymore. They just feel like they they're they're one big movie that need to be watched together. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we move on, I did want to just briefly mention um, I, I looked up because there is another movie coming out at some point. There, there's no release date, but it's called uh, Thread and it's titled An Insidious Tale. Um, so that, that very well could be sort of like, a, it's a spinoff of the mainline series. Um, so that very well could be the, the story that started at the end of two. Um, but apparently this is, they have Kumail Nanjiani and Mandy Moore, um, both are, are basically brought into it. Um, but also there was, uh, talks in 2018 of a, crossover film between the insidious and sinister movies that was in development oh, and uh 
and he basically uh, there was a guy Jason Bloom from Bloom House. Basically, he was talking about how there is you know there is a tentative, tentative working title of, of in Sinister, uh, <laughs> but apparently uh, it, it got put on delay. But he states that he believes that there is potential for re-entering development in the future. Basically, we're he, he basically said he wants to cross those worlds. Uh, the Bloomhouse Productions is in charge of both se- series, so it, it would not be outside the realm of possibility. So I, I think that would be cool. That's a little uh, fun fun factoid for people for potential future. <laughs> yeah, I mean they've opened up a universe here where they you know there's lots of things they could do, uh, different right. different ways they can go, different directions they could go, different stories they could tell. Uh, and it all kind of be, you know, loosely tied together and um, and within the same, you know, same universe. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, again, they're making money. I can't imagine they will, while they're still having that, that kind of a profit margin, that they won't continue to do something, something with it. It, it may not be, you know, with, with Patrick Wilson and all them, uh, but, you know, something to be done. So, yeah, Absolutely. But that wraps up our franchise discussion and ranking uh, of the Insidious movies. And so now we are primed and ready uh, for this weekend to go see Insidious Red Door. And we will be discussing and rating and reviewing that movie on our next episode. So if you enjoyed that and you're going to go see that movie, uh, you're welcome. We've got you ready now. We've we've caught you up. We've uh, piqued your interest and, and hopefully we've helped stoke your excitement and everybody will turn out and go see Insidious Red Door. That's a surefire way to, to, to hopefully that we'll get further movies in the Insidious verse is that uh, if it does big numbers, uh, big numbers, then they're going to make more. So, but that's what we're rating and reviewing next week. Insidious Red Door. But Ike, before we close out the Insidious franchise episode, anything you want to throw in there? Um, you know, like Dave said, go check out this movie. If you like Insidious, uh, contributing to the you know the expansion of the insidious you know universe i, I want to see a sinister crossover so uh you know if we have a good turnout with this uh red door movie i think it'll you know only only uh increase our chances at seeing a crossover or more content so uh yeah absolutely support them let's go out let's see how it is um you know i i have my hopes managed but i am um you know expecting something good out of this movie so uh, we we will see, <laughs> is what I will say. Yes, we will see, and we will talk about that next week, and and see if our expectations were met or uh or not. So we'll we'll discuss that next episode. But until then, uh, thank you for supporting us. Make sure you rate and review us on whatever platform you choose to listen to us, and make sure you subscribe. Follow us on all of our social media links. But until next week, when we're going to discuss Insidious: The Red Door, wherever you go and whatever you do, be good, be safe. And have many pleasant nightmares.